Hello, podcast listeners. This is your host with the most. We're going to dive into the City of Fargo Planning Commission in a recent decision. We're going to talk about some weird movies. And for some reason, Tucker thinks that he knows how to fix those Marvel television shows that were on Netflix. You'll have to find out in this episode of JJ Meets World. And by the way, if you'd like to help support our podcast, visit JJMeetsWorld.com where you can donate to our Patreon, pick up some killer swag at our merch shop, or click the link to Apple Podcast and give us a five-star review. One, two, three, four. J.J. Gordon, sort of like that Indiana Jones in that he's always sniffing out his next adventure. Yes, he is. He's always interviewing guests so he can have them on his show and they can talk about pop culture, arts, and leisure. J.J. has his flag unfurled and he likes his french fries curled and he's fun and then he twirls as he goes to meet the world. He will march into the rain even if his ankle sprain. Take a peek inside his brain. This podcast is called J.J. Meets World. Tucker, I, I want to bring in some very specific Fargo news uh, because it's something that's bothered me since I got my first apartment ever. And that is Fargo uh, has a little bit of a, a situation going on down near where I live. There is a road called Flickertail Drive. And when I was in high school, a kid I know named Andy used to take masking tape almost every single day and change it from flicker tail to fucker tail just by adding <laughs> it was all capitals. So all you had to do was just add a little bit of masking tape to the L and the I and complete the uh, circuit there. But that's great. The residents of flicker tail drive have recently approached the Far city of Fargo planning commission and said, there are not one, not two, not three, not four, but five unrelated college students living in a single house and the city of Fargo, in its code, says no more than three unrelated yep, people may be in the same dwelling living together. Now, what's what's interesting to me is these are all college students, and the some neighbors have actually said we have had no problems whatsoever. In fact, they're very nice and courteous young men, but we don't want our neighborhood to be ruined by five unrelated people. Oh, think of the cars. And the, the destruction. So a couple from California whose son was attending NDSU came to Fargo over the summer, found this house, remodeled the inside of the house so that it could be five bedrooms and, you know, have five people living there. The realtor never brought up the fact that there's this city code. The con contractor never brought up the city code. And they when they when it was brought to their attention saying like hey you've got five unrelated people that's against city code they said oh okay well uh what can we do and they said well you can apply for a permit so they apply for a permit and then were denied the permit so this couple from california is in my mind at least trying to rectify the situation in some way shape or form now here's the issue when i was getting my first apartment i was denied because it was going to be myself Cody, who we, was a, just a guy I lived with at the time, and Phil Lund. And we were going to get an apartment together, and they said, nope, 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 nope. We don't allow three unrelated men to live together. And when I said, but I mean, it's a three-bedroom apartment. Who are, you know, <laughs> who are you expecting to live there? 
And he said, well, you know, we have three guys. All of a sudden it's six cars because you're all having girls over. Little did he know that we were not having girls over at all. We were not the Lotharios that Parkway's (laughs) apartment thought we were going to be. Um, and, but like, that's something that always kind of like torqued me off. And then I, you know, as time went on and I found out that Fargo actually does have a policy within the city that says no more than three, uh, unrelated people. Now I'm going to admit right here on this podcast that I've broken the law. At one point I had, it was Jill myself. We were not married, but we had been together for more than six years. And then uh, our friend Sean and our friend Dustin all living in the same apartment for one su- or the same house for one summer. And the, I guess the thing is that the driveway was big enough that we were able to house all the cars on the driveway. Uh, didn't cause anything on the streets, but I don't think that that's a big deal. I don't think that that's a big problem. I mean, I, I can't imagine a world where that makes sense in 2023 with the rising cost of homes. I was talking to someone who was looking for a studio apartment and they said, you know, the lowest price I could find on a studio apartment was $900. And I said, $900 a month for a studio apartment. Yeah. What is going on there? And so of course, if you can get a couple people together to share the rent, the difference is, is like $900 on your own or $500 split amongst three people. Right. Right. That's, you know, 1500 told that is much more palatable. I just I'm I'm t- I'm telling you, I was incensed by this and I brought it up during uh, my radio show and the and people people were on both sides of the fence and they weren't like teetering one way or the other. They either were 100 percent. No, get those hooligans out of there or they were. Come on, let's be serious. The The neighbors even said these are nice guys. Right. So that's my that's my rant about the city of Fargo. We should we should change it. Also, do you remember Don Cress? Oh, I do. I know. I read the article and I saw it was it was him. Poor Don Cress uh, having to be the the heavy on that one. Yeah, I mean it's he's just doing his job, you know. Right. He's just and following orders. <laughs> I also think this. I think that this should be the catalyst to get the city of Fargo to change the code because it wouldn't matter if you gave a variance to this one single, you know, outfit you should be looking at now because I, this is the other side too, the hypocrisy. There is an Airbnb that is less than a block away. In fact, Bert Kreischer himself stayed in this Airbnb. That's a block away from my house. It sleeps 10 people. And that's uh-huh. what they advertise it for. So if I rented that for a full month, I would be in violation for all 30 or 31 or 28. If it's February days of the month and we don't check up on Airbnbs, we're not limiting the number of people who can stay in an Airbnb. Well, and it, it but it, it also seems to me and I'm, I'm uneducated on this topic. So I'm more or less wondering in the way that they're talking about the, the the kids in the house, they're not saying, oh, there's too many people here. They're saying the people who are here are not related to each other. And my question is, what does that have to do with anything? I can understand right. if they had 20 people living in there, right? And they're like, hey, listen, that's like a health hazard. That is, This place is not up to spec for that kind of occupancy. That kind of an argument makes sense on some level at some extreme, but it really does just sound like, oh, it's just, you know, 
too many of you uh, don't share enough DNA. And it seems more like, you know, running into something that might be the letter of the law, but maybe not the spirit of the law. And so, yeah, you should go, hey, let's revise this because this clearly doesn't make sense, right? I think that it, it, like if I were those guys, you know what I would do just to say, damn the man, I Get would have marry each other. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Exactly. I would, I would have four of them get married and be like, how, how you like me now? Well, what I, I did think for a moment, if like, how much money does this kid's parents have? Like, could they just adopt them all? <laughs> like, like, okay, they're actually, we're, they're actually all our kids now. And so now they're all related. Like, would that work? Uh, I don't know. Okay, even deeper, asking how much money this couple from California has who actually bought the house. They Doesn't could it be sound like you know what the funny thing is? We're talking about them like like they're answering a swingers ad, like <laughs> this couple from California. <laughs> you know, you know, we'll we'll call them Brad and Evelyn. Um, but so here's the deal: if I were in their case, and then I find out that because they noted that okay, if two of these guys move out. We no longer, for what we're charging them, can make the mortgage payments. And that was yep. part of the plan is that, like, the rent that these kids would pay would pay for the mortgage. So I would just let the house go to shit. I mean, here's, here's the bear that you've now poked. So let's say there's a world where they go, fine, we're going to let the yard go to shit. We're going to let the paint peel off the side of that thing. We're going to let this be essentially an abandoned house that high school kids break into to drink. And I will watch your property values plummet because now you've got the Munster's house on your block instead of a place where the kids kept the lawn mowed and you just maybe had to deal with. And like, here's the other thing, too. One of the main complaints that I read in there was people saying like, oh, well, there's five cars. There's five cars. I I could go park on that block tonight yeah. if I wanted, right? Yeah, like, yeah that's it's, such it's, a it's such a uh, it's it's such a non-starter for an argument to me. It's a NIMBY. It's a not in my backyard. You know, it's <laughs> like uh, it just it bought you know it it bothers my sense of how the world should be. It's like yeah, well, you know, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like yeah. that's kind of just how I feel about it. Oh my god, yeah. it just. Uh, so frustrating right but. well yeah yeah for me i'm honing in mostly just on like why why is it if it was five uh siblings they'd be like well that's okay but that's still five cars that's still five people who potentially have significant others who are going to come over and visit that's that there's still all of these complaints are actually about numbers but they're not saying oh it's too many people they're saying right. it's too many unrelated people and that the, and allowing that would uh, open the floodgates of, I don't know, more people sharing living space, living together in community and harmony. <laughs> I don't fucking know. And OK, so let's say let's say they were all cousins. Right. So would the argument be like, well, they're they're not related close enough. Yeah. Is there a blood right? quantum they have to come up with? B bingo. <laughs> right. Like. Be like, oh, they're only related by marriage. This doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> they're only wiener cousins. Yeah. <laughs> his <laughs> uncle and his uncle and my dad were an item and like and, and they in fact they uh they got divorced and so you're no longer you're no longer related. And so what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to find a new home. <laughs> yeah. 
This is, I mean, this is just a whole other reason why you should be happy. You never actually made it into local government. Oh, I, you know what? I'm actually kind of thankful about that all the time because we live in a world of complainers now. Holy moly. Yeah. Well, I, was I, I just think somebody, I, I just think in general, the, this, the process of having to go through the levers and cranks and wheels of local government itself to me sounds soul crushing to then have to be like, what are we talking about tonight? Ugh, property tax. Like I just, I can't imagine myself going, you know what? I want to do that. There was uh, a person in city government who told me that they spent almost five hours researching, making calls, making additional calls, going back, speaking with a lawyer because one neighbor complained that the other neighbor who had uh, who had harvested a deer during deer hunting season was draining the blood into a drain in the uh, garage of this person that connected to the sanitary sewer system. And they didn't believe that the deer's blood by city code should be able to go in there. And so this is this is how this conversation went. Can blood go in there? Okay. Can non-human blood go in there? Do you need a permit to dispose of that much blood into a sanitary sewer system? Is the house zoned in an area that could be considered commercial? What are the intents of or what is the intent to be done with after the bloodletting? I honestly I thought her head was going to explode. Yeah. No, no, thank you. By the way, also, it's co- completely legal, I guess. I kind of figured it would be. Blood. I mean, we poop into there, don't we? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's human poop. We don't want to have to deal with deer, deer blood. Deer blood is the other thing. Um, yeah, like like the filters at the water plant just can't account for deer blood. Right. <laughs> I, am, I imagine a whole wall of like the little of gauges and like lights and stuff like that. And they're like, they're like, Mr. Thompson, Mr. Thompson, there's too much deer blood in the system. Mr. Thompson, <laughs> the day we've always spoken about has, arri- <laughs> has arrived and they hit something and then it's like a wah, 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 wah. Yeah. And, uh, and then I imagine what we do is we just send all that blood over to, uh, to Moorhead. Too much, too much deer blood in the water. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I didn't get a chance to do a year in review when it came to movies. Um, but I wanted to talk about some things that I saw recently that I feel are so messed up that I kind of wonder what a lot of filmmakers are working through right now. Okay, (laughs) so I'm going to start with this. I saw the movie. uh, I saw the movie Saltburn, which is getting a lot of attention on social media for a couple of scenes that people feel are uh, both in poor taste and ultimately erotic. And I got to (laughs) say, Jill and I watched this last weekend and I don't. I don't really I don't really think that it, I think they're making a bigger deal out of it than it than it deserves to be. If I'm going to be if I'm gonna be honest, like I've seen way weirder, disgusting stuff in movies than yeah. what they're talking about here. Have you have you seen Saltburn by any chance? I have not. OK, um, I'm not going to take away this piece. You sold is kind me on of a, it, though. Plot like your, your, your description has sold me on it, though. So like, I'm ready. I got to watch that. <laughs> um, 
There's also, I will say this, there is the most full frontal male nudity I have seen in a movie since the movie Euro Trip in this one. <laughs> um, by the way, if anyone watches the show to call or uh, call the midwife, which I love, it's a BBC show about midwives in the 60s in a uh, uh, neighborhood of London. Um, Emerald Fennel is also Nurse Mount, plays Nurse Mount in that. And Emerald Fennel, who shot to stardom with her film Promising Young Woman starring Carrie Mulligan, which I really loved. I thought that movie was awesome. And uh, so this is like her big follow up. And clearly she is suffering from what uh, what is uh, what is known as the blank check disease, which uh, is she made something. It was super awesome. People like they is sold a ton of tickets. And so anything that she does from now on, they're going to just give her a blank check and they're going to be like, here you go. Make whatever you want and bring us back some money. And in this case, Amazon wrote the check for it. And if I know Amazon, they probably gave her buku bucks for this. Yeah. And you know what? Ultimately, I didn't care for it. I was like, eh, meh. What's um, the premise? So the premise is it is Oxford University and a kid who doesn't have a lot of money and is kind of a loner is going to school and he just wants to be friends with the cool guy at school. And he is able to garner the attention of the cool guy by uh, an act where he loans him his bicycle. And then the cool guy kind of takes him under his wing is like, hey, everyone, you know, let's hang out with this guy. And, uh, it's the end of the term. And this young man doesn't want to have to go home. And so the the cool guy who's very wealthy invites him to spend the summer at his home which is known as Saltburn. And it's a huge like mansion, right? It's like big enough where the name of the house has a name. Right. Um, which what was the name of your grandmother's estate? Windswept. Windswept. Or you so can think like, like like Castle Grayskull. <laughs> Bingo, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, and so he goes, now they learn secrets about him, he learns secrets about them. And he doesn't mix well with his family who are all very, you know, on the surface and like concerned with money and status and secrets and uh, gossip and stuff like that. It stars. I can't pronounce his last name. So I'm going to say Barry, Barry Kyoga. Yeah, I know you're talking about. I don't know how to how to pronounce right. it either. He, it's an Irish who, name, isn't it? Who was great. He was great in. um uh, in Banshees of Insurin last year, like he was awesome in that, and then he was horrible in uh, Marvel's uh, The Elementals or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, remember that piece of garbage, The, the Eternals. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> the, that's the what Elementals. it felt like. It, was, the, it felt uh, like it was a turn that movie felt eternally long. The um, Elementals. So. I just, I mean, and it's long. It's like two hours and 45 minutes. When did we lose the ability to tell a story in 88 minutes? You know, one thing, I've, I I hope it happens someday. It's probably, if it ever happens, it'll be when, like, the corporations are trying to wring even more money out of these old properties. But assuming that they they shot the Eternals and they have all that raw footage, like, at some point, just go, hey, hey, you edit this now and just edit whatever you want. And to see if someone could be like, oh, there was actually a good movie inside of here. It just got so edited to shit. 
you know, and that like there was too many cooks in the kitchen. There's like a really awesome video online about how uh, the editor of Star Wars, who I believe was George Lucas's wife, actually saved the movie after an edit that like George had made and the movie made no fucking sense. And then she basically rearranged a bunch of scenes and added stuff that he had cut out and suddenly it became Star Wars. Yeah. And so like, I wouldn't be surprised to find out like in some of these movies that were just, let's call them less than stellar. <laughs> I'm going to be nice and kind um, that you could actually go back and like, oh, there's actually a way to edit this, and make it good. I, I, you know, even though the Snyder cut has its problems, I still think it's, you know, a, a, it leagues above the, the Whedon cut of, of Justice League. And uh, so, like, you really can make or break a movie in the edit like that. Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And easily some of my favorite movies, uh, I go, like, I'll say this. I have watched movies where I've watched the director's cut and be like, boy, it's a good thing that somebody stepped in because, <laughs> because they yeah. really mucked that one up. And then on the flip side, I've watched a director's cut and I'm like, oh, my God, by adding five extra minutes in this movie, it the, the emotions run so much deeper and the plot makes so much more sense. And so you know, I, I think I think an editor's role is sometimes underappreciated. Yeah, I think it's possible to I'm sure some fans have done it because a lot of since everyone can basically edit pretty simply now, like there's a ton of fan edits of Star Wars and other stuff where they you know kind of go, hey, if you make these cuts, it's actually more more uh, palatable. Um, I think you could probably do something like that potentially with like the Netflix Marvel stuff, like the Defenders, because like the Defenders TV show was so boring and it just sucked. But I wouldn't be surprised if you could trim all of like their individual shows and then the some parts of the Defenders down into like a kick ass, like two hour movie. Right. Sure. One I think that that's... like really moves and it's got action and all this other stuff going on. And like it would be interesting. Isn't it interesting how we've gotten to a point now where uh, like it used to be that you didn't want to be on TV because movies were where it was at. Right. And then all right. of a sudden you have people who are like, no, TV is great because you can let something breathe for like eight hours. Yeah. And then movies are like, hey, no, 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 don't worry. You can make a movie three and a half hours long. That's fine. Yep. And we need we just I, I'm telling you a tight 88 minutes. Yeah. Like, and. If if I if I was you know ruler of the world and was able to make any kind of media that I would want, I would love to do uh, like an adaptation of of some superhero team. Let's say something with five or more, so X Men, Avengers, Justice League, or anything like that, um, and do it as a like a mini series where it's only like sixty minutes an episode, and the first like five or six episodes are just specific to each individual character. So oh. it's like, oh, it's Storm this week. Oh, cool. What's Storm going to be like? And you basically tell uh, effectively a feature-length film, a short feature-length film about Storm, right? And then and then you have some team-up episodes, and then you get a full episode like that together. And like that would have been so much more interesting than, I think, stretching out the Defenders over like five different series and the series itself, because you, they're just, they were just playing for time so much I, I can't believe i'm reviewing an old netflix marvel show right now <laughs> but, but like i remember watching iron fist and luke cage and large parts of, of of jessica jones 
where it's literally just two characters standing in a room talking at each other about what I need to do and how what you want me to do is not what I'm going to do. And it just was scene after scene of that, just fucking filler. No you know, story okay. whatsoever. Let's broaden this outside of like just the, the realm of like movies and television shows. I think a lot can be said about being a little more concise sometimes. Some of my favorite podcasts clearly have said these need to be at least blank minutes long. And there's somewhere I'm like, you guys just you should have given up. Like you didn't need to stretch it out this far. You you know, like I would have enjoyed this if you had cut the last 20 minutes out where clearly you had no plan in place for what's going to happen. This happens with fast food restaurants all the time. I do not need another condiment. I need you to make the other condiments greater and better. Yeah. I need more right? meat. I need more meat on the bun. Right. Where's the beef? We've been saying it for decades. <laughs> um, okay. So my other movie that I want to throw out there is I went and saw a movie called Poor Things. And this is a movie that's super messed up. And I can't stop thinking about it. And I really liked but I can't recommend to anybody because really? yeah, because I would say 90% of the movie going audience would go see this movie and then slap me in the face and tell me I'm never taking another recommendation from you again. <laughs> and this is the reason why I'm going to give a brief synopsis of the movie. Poor things. Talented surgeon slash mad scientist Willem Dafoe, who was experimented on when he was a child uh, in a lot of horrific body uh, body experiments that his father did, is now on the search for his next great conquest, which happens to wash ashore when he finds the dead pregnant body of Emma Stone. He takes the body back to his lab. He finds out that the fetus is not alive, but there is still brain activity going on. So he does a cesarean section, takes the brain out of the baby, puts it in the full grown mother, brings her back to life. And the movie starts with her like having to like learn how to walk like her motor skills are catching up because it's a full grown body with the brain of an infant. And then from there, the movie takes off and it's set in this weird, like Victorian kind of era, but they have electricity. Mark Ruffalo gives the best performance ever as this foppish kind of dandy who sees her as just a sexual object. And every line he delivers is so it's a it's, it is a master class in acting as a buffoon. Like oh. it is it is so good. Willem Dafoe, amazing in this movie. And so it is about, you know, at one point she she essentially discovers what like sex is and sexual contact uh, contact and she uses it. And so it's learning about the feminine wiles and like what it means to own your own body as a woman. It also is about how uh, what you know, what makes somebody a person. Right. Because. She is the it's the her it's it's her body that belonged to her mother and it's the brain of this child. So is she the person she is today or is she the person that she was before she died? It is just very, it's very interesting. It is shot in a style that is very, very unique and very off the beaten path. Um, 
like fish-eyed lenses, low, low area. The score evolves as her brain activity evolves. So in the beginning, it's kind of stilted and like dung, dung, gung, gung. And as she becomes more refined and as she's able to learn more, the score is like dung, 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 dung. And I'm just, I am really over the moon. And so Jill and I left that movie. And I said, what do you think? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, I know I liked it, but I can't tell you why I liked it. And Mm -hmm. we both had a nightmare about it that night. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's so funny to me is that I haven't seen the movie. I've seen the the marketing around it and the marketing around it just makes it seem like it's a quirky Tim Burton film. It does. It like a hundred percent. This script could have been adapted and made into a Tim Burton movie. And thank God it didn't because the Yargos, uh, I can't remember his last name is the director does like does things that I think Tim Burton would have like focused on more and just lets them like, for example, the house that she lives in is populated by half pigs, half chickens, a dog with the head of a, a cat. Like all of these weird things that the, you know, this mad scientist by Willem Dafoe, who, by the way, also gives a stellar performance. I would like him to win a best supporting actor for this movie. Uh, wow. And if not him, it's got to go to Mark Ruffalo. Um, and so it like, I think Tim Burton, Tim Burton would have focused on the wrong things and like had just completely like honed in onto them. You know what I'm talking about? How he kind of has that, 100%. that problem. Yeah, totally. And so, yeah, it's, I'm telling you, it's super messed up. And even while we were in there, there was an old couple who got up and left about 30 minutes into the movie. And the guy just kept going, garbage, 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 <laughs> garbage, garbage. And the wife kept staring at the movie while she was essentially being like pulled out, like, you know, by the wrist. And I kind of wanted to be like, hey, well, hey, listen, old man, we'll give you we'll give your wife a ride home. She's fine. Yeah. You know, I, like, uh... we'll, we'll take care of it. I don't know why that gives me some level of joy. Not that someone thinks it's garbage, but just that he had that emotional reaction. He's like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, he was just, he was done. <laughs> well, and he probably saw a trailer and was like, oh, I love Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah. And even like, I've had people watch the trailer and they're like, well, you didn't like this movie. And I said, no, I do like this movie. Oh, I should go see it. And I'm like, no, you shouldn't. Because I'm telling you right now that unless you approach this movie, knowing that yeah. you are about to watch something that is wholly messed up. And I was trying to think of the thing I would compare it to. And, um, oh, what was that movie with Steven Root back in the day? Um, Oh, God, God, God. Oh, I'm going to come up with it because previous guest Greg Carlson had told us about this movie and it had just come out. And the the guy who directed it had kind of become known for uh, I think he had made the movie Happiness beforehand. Um, oh, oh, uh, um, I was just talking about this guy. Uh, he made Happiness. He made Palindromes. Um, it's, it's palindromes, right? That's Todd Salons. Todd Salons. Yes. It's, and I think I think it's palindromes that we're talking about. Okay. Where he like it's like he plays the guy to come visit the family and Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's dark. You, I mean, you, all of Salons' stuff is super dark. Right. It's su- super dark, but like has a, a weird 
it has a weird sweetness to it. I mean, I love his stuff, but it's fucked up. And I, it is the kind of thing where I go, I don't know why I enjoy it, but I do. But I also wouldn't recommend it to almost anybody. Right. And that's the exact situation that I find myself in this. And, uh, in a fun, in a funny way, <laughs> I'm really intrigued now. <laughs> uh, I, I guarantee you that this is up for best picture. I guarantee you Emma Stone gets a best uh, actress nomination, uh, yeah. best director. And there are going to be a flood of people after the Academy Award nominations come out who go to see this movie and go, what the goddamn did I do? Why? 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 I My love- God that reaction and you know <laughs> i actually introduced a coworker today to neil hamburger for the first time oh lovely and uh, and neil won them over um but like that's part of it right like 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 that's the sort of thing where he's actually aiming for being something where if you're into it and you're in the know you're having the time of your life but the majority of people won't know what it is and are going to be like, what the fuck am I watching? Right. So there's a Mm -hmm. kind of a price to pay (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) And I don't know why I love that so much. (laughs) I probably shouldn't love it this much. I I I am. I am a member of the North Dakota film society. Uh, Scotty Nolan, who's been on our podcast, actually several members are, have been on this podcast and Every year I get a little disappointed because for the most part, I think that most of the members like, first of all, I know that they don't see everything um, and they're just voting on maybe the things that they think will make them seem more intelligent. Uh Um, And so I always think it's my job to sort of hijack the, the voting process and mess things up. So like, I really, I thought (coughs) Spider-Man, Spider-Man, um, it, like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Right. The uh, sequel? No, the, the first one. It was into the Spider-Verse was the first one, right? And yeah, the second I was think- across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wanted into the Spider-Verse to be the best. I wanted it to at least get like be in like the top five. So it gets some acclaim because I thought that movie was visually stunning. I thought the storytelling was great. I really, really dug that movie. And so I listed it as like number one for almost every single thing, including like best original song. Um, And this year, I know that like whoever's looking at this is going to go like, we got to kick this guy out of this group because one of the (laughs) things I, uh, I included for (laughs) for like best editing and best sound design was a movie called plane that came out in January of uh, 2023 where Gerard Butler is the pilot of a commercial uh, airline uh, uh, airliner, and he doesn't want to fly through the storm, but they've got to get the passengers back home because uh, that's just what it is. We're a heartless corporation. And so he flies through the storm. They get struck by lightning, and he has to make an emergency landing on an island, but the island is controlled by drug dealers. <laughs> And it's now up to the pilot to take, and he like gets to use a Scottish accent in it too. He's like, he's like, there's 113 souls on this plane and I'm responsible for every one of them. And it is delightful and good news. He has a military background, so he's able to take on an island full of drug dealers and then also repair the plane so that they can fly it away. Yep. I can't wait for the sequel, which has to be called boat. 
<laughs> right? It's got to be. Maybe jet ski, but I'm thinking it's probably boat. Oh, God. And so, so sometimes, you know, some every now and then you just have to, you, you know, you have to have a little bit of uh, chaos in your life, you know? Yeah. You know, and hey, fast food is good for you sometimes, too. Right. You got to live right. it up a little bit. I just want the dopamine hit sometimes. <laughs> I don't need to be changed emotionally. I just I, want something that's going to allow me to eat uh, raisinets and popcorn for an hour. I The only time I ever served on uh, like one of the committees for the Fargo Film Festival, you know, where you, you all watch the movies and then you kind of vote on them. And I served on the animation committee once. And so we'd all watch the movies and then we all got together at, at Greg Carlson's house. And most of us didn't know each other. It was like a circle of like, I don't know, 10 or so people there. And so we went around the room introducing ourselves and you're supposed to say uh, either your favorite movie of all time or the best movie you had seen that year. And so People are going around and it's a lot of, you know, Citizen Kane or something from Tarantino or this or that. And as it got around to me, I thought I would be funny and we would all have a good laugh. And so I said, Paul Blart, Mall Cop. And no one said anything and they just moved on. And so like forever, I was like the Paul Blart Mall Cop guy. And I was like, I don't think I want to be on these groups anymore because no one was into that. Dude, I mean, I know I've told you this story. My first day of film school in Chicago, uh, I was in a class uh, called uh, pre-produ- pre-production. And in it, we were going to learn how to like essentially like take something from a concept and work it into like a script and figure out like a shooting schedule, all this stuff. And so we're all in a big circle and it was tell, you know, tell us who inspires you when it comes to like films and it was Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, and then somebody, uh, somebody, uh, said, yeah, uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. And I'm like, okay, well, Francis Ford Coppola. I mean, I can, I can get on that. And then it went back to, and every, you know, Kevin Smith came up like four times because that was the era. So it gets around to me and I say, Joe Dante. And one kid in the class goes, who's that? And I said, he directed gremlins. And the teacher's like, oh, OK, okay. I mean, but is, is there somebody else, you know, that uh, that might be a little, um, you know, like a, a little more uh, a little more known to the rest of us? And I said, Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> and then another, that same kid goes, who did he uh, like or like, what did he make? And I said, back to the future. One, two and three Forrest Gump. And I realized at that moment, I'm like, screw these guys. These guys all want to make the next like indie film that has a bunch of weird cut you know they want to be the next guy Ritchie and make a lock stock and two smoking barrels and i want to make gremlins three so <laughs> tucker if anyone ever came up to you and you're like aren't you the paul bart paul blart mall cop guy you should say yeah I, I don't know what i was thinking because it's really it's it's paul blart two is the one that i really <laughs> the one i really like i think of anything cop and still still mauling I think of anything, the moral of our parallel stories is that stay away from circles. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't, I can, I can think of maybe a handful of times where I was happy that I was in a conversation of a people in a circle. Most times when I'm like, Oh, Hey everyone, let's get in a circle. I'm like, fuck, I hate this part. I hate like, circles. I hate, I hate that we all have to, I hate being in circle. I really do. I fucking hate it so much. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm on sabbatical. 
you know what I don't like about a circle and having people do an introduction is there is this weird anxiety that builds as it gets closer and closer and closer to you. And uh, I remember the the time I liked it the least was I was at the uh, Western Entertainment Festival, aka We Fest, and we were all going around, and you had to say what um, what what department you were in, your name, and a memory of We Fest, and everyone's answering and you know some people are like i i remember you know my dad taking me behind the you know behind the stage and now i'm a rigger myself and i you know i i learned how to set up a stage thanks to him and and you're like you know and, and my my name's paul el, el paso but everyone calls me snakes and <laughs> it's getting around the circle and it finally gets to me and i was like head of camping jj gordon last year when i left there was the biggest, fattest beaver I've ever seen walking across the road. And I had to wait like five minutes for that thing to cross the road. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like the eye, I could feel the eye rolls from yeah. people being like, why couldn't he just take this here? Why couldn't he just say like the first time I ever heard Dolly Parton, I wept. Yeah. But I, I don't didn't. Know. I didn't. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm with you, man. I hate fucking talking in circles i really do i hate i hate it so much that's why i can never be in city government even though those are like half circles yeah, but, yeah. i mean yeah i mean maybe at best uh, you could call it a calzone i mean i'm definitely i wouldn't be good at it so no one would vote for me so i can always say well i'm not gonna be elected because i'm not gonna run no one would fucking vote for me i don't know what yeah. i would say i don't know what i would say to them jj like what would my message be if i was r- running for you know, uh, city council. I'll uh, tell you, I'll tell you right now, as someone who has run for office, what you would say is this, be like, hello, my name is Tucker Lucas, though that is not my given name. Uh, <laughs> and you say like, and every day I go home and I look forward to eating a frosted sugar cookie. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that if we all could find our frosted sugar cookie, we could be better. And I think that the government should be operating to allow you to get more frosted sugar cookies, which means I am pro for tax incentives for small bakery businesses that intend to open. I would also like us to finally get a whole foods here because they also have a bakery where they make frosted sugar cookies. And I also firmly believe that dogs and cats should be living together but they have to be related. Yes, I am talking about interspecies weddings. So if you elect me to the Fargo Public Schools school board, <laughs> I will indoctrinate all the children to believe as I do. I, you know I, what? I'd, vote, I'd vote for that guy. Me too. I would vote for it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I'd like be like, Supreme. damn, this guy's talking directly to me. Yeah. Hey, fellow Americans. Do, are you like me? Do you just sometimes eat cheese standing in your kitchen? Vote for oh me. My, oh, my God. It's like he reached into my soul. <laughs> um, I think that it would be great if we just had a politician who said something like who walked out there and said what they meant. And so could you imagine during like a, a debate where they're like recently the the amount of gun violence and be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they'd be like, oh, okay, so you don't want to answer this question? Be like, that is that is the answer. I, I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. So they get to the next question and they say, 
the rising sea levels are causing our infrastructure for our water to be non-potable. What would you do if elected to help us get more clean water? Like I um I really I don't know much about water. I one time I my aunt took me to the ocean and I opened my mouth and that water tasted icky. But and Senator, so Senator, I, what are you going to do about the deer blood in the water? I I I what what, what do you think I should do? You? Yeah, you were made for that job. You should you should run for office again. I honestly I? think you should. I I think it's a terrible idea, and I think you should do it. <laughs> I'll tell you right away. We're gonna get rid of the local celebrity tax right off the bat. <laughs> we're gonna get. I the thing is pulling me down. I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Uh, um, God, do you think yeah. that Scrooge McDuck would uh, would vote for Donald Trump? Um. That's a really good question. I don't know. Actually, yep. you would know better than I would because you are uh, a scholar of Scrooge McDuck and the Mac the McDuck clan and and all of that. So, I mean, I know that he, obviously he he loves money and he worships wealth, but it seems from my understanding that that would be the only thing that they share. Beyond that, they would be too different. But you tell me if I'm right or wrong. I would. Doesn't he have like a like a an arch nemesis who's Scottish who's sort of morally bad? Yeah, uh, uh, what's his, uh, Glumgold, uh, yeah. what's his name, uh, something, Flockhart Gum, Glumgold or something, something like, like that. that. I think, I um, think Scrooge McDuck would look at Trump as a Glumgold. Okay. I, I also think, uh, I think one thing that is, uh, that's very similar is they both love to hunt for treasure. Mm. And so, you know, as we know, uh, Donald Trump is one of the most accomplished treasure hunters on the on the planet. And so I feel like they would maybe enjoy that. I'm sure they run in similar circles, but I think ultimately uh, Scrooge McDuck would uh, would not support him. And also, I'm going to throw this out there. Scrooge is not eligible to vote in the uh, in the United States. Uh, sure. But he's not he's could, not but naturalized he could donate to a super PAC, though. Right. I think 100 oh, he percent. He's he's definitely fueling a lot of things like, for instance, he doesn't trust banks. He wants to have all of his money inside of that money bin. So he uh, he I'm sure is trying to get legislation where people can be personally insured for like up to 10 billion dollars. Mm -hmm. Should the Beagle Boys ever break in and able to take it out, whether it's with a giant vacuum cleaner or uh, or they've entrusted a series of mole people to dig underneath the money bin and they have now frozen all the money into a lake that they hope to fly uh, across some sort of a border. How how much money does Scrooge have? Like what what is the word they use? He's more than a billionaire, right? I don't know. I, th I I don't know if he's a billionaire. Uh, I mean, you'd assume he's a billionaire, but I don't know. Like, cause think about it. this is the like late eighties where the richest person in the world had like $50 million. Yeah. And my understanding is that all of his wealth is in gold coins that he uh -huh. keeps in a giant vault that he swims around in. Actually, that's not, that's not a hundred percent true. McDuck oh. enterprises. Uh. Is good. Oh my God. Do you want to know, according to Google, how much he's worth? How much? Okay, so this, Thousand million billion trillion. What comes after a trillion? A quintillion, maybe. Okay, so he's got three hundred fifteen quintillion dollars, three hundred sixty billion. Um, 
In 2007, uh, a magazine estimated his wealth at 28.8 billion. By 2011, it rose to 44.1 billion due to the rise in gold prices. <laughs> In a 1970 comic, Scrooge says that he would be broke in 600 years if he lost $1 billion a minute, which puts his net worth at uh, the 315 quintillion. So not trillions? or So he's he's not a billionaire. He's not a trillionaire. He's beyond that. Yeah. I don't know if it's quintillion. Isn't quintillion five? Maybe I'm getting it wrong. I I, I think you're right. I think, I, I mean, it's a lot of zeros. It's, I had to... I had to count using my cursor and like bouncing it, like as if it were some kind of sing along <laughs> to get to there. I am assuming um, that the, they're just trying to communicate that the number is higher than the GDP of Earth. Yes. Yeah. Like somehow, somehow he has enough value that even if you put all the money on Earth together, he still has more than that. Mm hmm. Which makes think me think, think that, you know what, if, if for sure, if he wasn't a friend of uh, Trump's, he for sure was a friend of Epstein's. Oh. Yeah, I, it's, a, it's pretty bold. I'm throwing it uh. out there. Um, by the way, what could you imagine writing for Forbes magazine and being assigned be like, we need you to figure out how much the fictional character of Scrooge McDuck is uh is worth. And we need I you to write Forbes like writer a, would get paid some serious bank to do something like that, but maybe not. It's probably an AI. Yeah, but if you you're, you've worked your way up. You're writing for Forbes. You want to be writing stuff that is you know important about uh, our current economic climate. You know, maybe you thought you were going to be interviewing somebody who you know made a big difference in the world, and they're like, "Nope, it's Scrooge McDuck." He's like, "Okay, but after I get done with this Scrooge McDuck one, I'm going to be able to. I'm going to do something that matters, right?" And they're like, "Heck yeah, state quarters are coming out next year. We need an inside look." That's going to wrap it up for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us continue to produce new episodes each week, visit JJMeetsWorld.com, where you can donate to our Patreon, pick up some swag at the merch shop, or follow our link to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all the sites the cool kids are using these days. JJ Meets World is produced every week by Tucker Lucas. You can find out more about Tucker's work by visiting moonbasemaria.com. If you want to get in touch with your host with the most, check out linebenders.com where you can find direct contact info for JJ or booking information. The thing is, is the, the movie Waking Ned Divine is 91 minutes long, but there's just not enough old man ass. 